Welcome to the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association's podcast. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to every person. This good news sermon was given in the Great Auditorium in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Visit oceangrove.org to learn how we are fulfilling our mission to provide people of all ages with opportunities for spiritual birth, growth, and renewal through worship, educational, cultural, and recreational programs at the Jersey Shore. Today's speaker for the Great Auditorium Service is the Reverend Dr. Craig Barnes. Craig is the president of of Princeton Theological Seminary, having served in that role since 2012. Dr. Barnes is the author of several books and is the editor-at-large of The Christian Century. Listen closely for a special word from God for you this morning. And please give Dr. Barnes a warm welcome. I could give the benediction now. (laughs) You have already gotten your money's worth this morning. It is a great honor to be asked to stand in this pulpit a second time. I'm not used to being invited back to places to preach, (laughs) so this this has always already been a grace for me. I know that your uh, theme of worship throughout the summer is to be renewed in spirit. So on this 4th of July, I'd like to think with you but what it means to have a renewed spirit of freedom. Our scripture text comes to us from Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, as your spirit once moved over the face of the deep, shoving aside darkness and chaos and creating light and beauty in its place, so do we ask that that same spirit would now move over our hearts using your word who draws closer into the beauty of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. 
Amen. The first two pages of the Bible are incredibly important to us because it's the only picture we get of what God had in mind from the beginning. It was paradise. Then we get to page three, where we messed all that up. Then the whole rest of the book is the recovery plan. <laughs> so we cherish these opening couple of pages that describe what God had for us. They provide not science or history, but truth, theological truth, spiritual truth, even poetic truth. And the truth of these opening chapters about creation is that we have been blessed. We were blessed to have a creator, to live our lives in the hands of this one who, as the Apostle Paul said, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. The blessing of knowing that our lives aren't over, a creator is still at work in them. A creator who, as I prayed, shoved aside darkness and chaos, putting light and beauty in its place and calling it good and calling you good after the creation of humanity. The blessing of being made in the image of this God. The blessing of having good work to do in the garden, stewardship of the garden. The blessing of intimacy with God and intimacy with other creatures. And the blessing to freely eat of almost, almost every fruit of the garden. So that eating itself is, becomes, a, it's, it's almost doxology. It's a way of saying thanks to God for the blessing that we have been given. Even hunger itself is a blessing. Reminds us that we are created to receive what God wants us to have. I think my favorite advertisement along the road is that little neon sign that hangs in a diner window and it just says, eat. <laughs> Doesn't get more basic than that. And every time I see that sign, I want to obey. <laughs> eat. At our seminary, we have a program called Table to Table where we gather and worship in the chapel at the Lord's table for the blessing of the sacrament. And then we all leave worship and we go across the quad to the cafeteria and we sit at the cafeteria table and we eat food. And that too is a blessing. Blessed communion. The doxological activity of eating in community. There's little question that we have been blessed question is, are we paying attention to all of these blessings? When I was serving as the pastor of a congregation, I had a man in the church who was driving home from his retirement party when it occurred to him that he would never again get to update his resume. And that depressed him because he loved keeping a record of all of his achievements and all of his professional accomplishments. When he got home, he took out a yellow pad and decided he would do something he had never done before, and this time he decided he would list 
his blessings in life. Not things that he had earned, because you can't earn a blessing. Things that he had received. He was amazed at how long the list was, and he was amazed at how good it made him feel to provide this list. As the years went by, he made a practice of pulling this list out every Thanksgiving. And the list just kept getting longer and longer. But over the years, I watched this man endure so many losses. I buried his wife when she died. I talked to him about the time when he had to sell the big house and move into the condo. I visited him on the hospital when he had cancer. But every Thanksgiving, the list just kept getting longer and longer. And that man died with gratitude on his lips for the grace of life. And at his funeral, like every funeral, nobody, nobody is going to read that resume. What we'll talk about is whether or not you were grateful for the grace of life. I don't know if there are measures of spirituality, but if there are, my vote would be for gratitude. Because your level of gratitude reveals how much you are paying attention to the work that God is doing within your life. But some of us struggle with gratitude, and there is a reason why, according to this third chapter, that we struggle with gratitude. It's that we were given almost all the garden. There was one tree whose fruit was not given. It was not blessed for us. In fact, it was forbidden to take of this fruit. Did you catch in the text where God planted that forbidden tree? Not off to the side, right in the middle of the garden. So every day, Adam and Eve had to pass by this tree, this constant reminder that they were never created to have it all. Every day, oh, not that. And only that, this, we're told that its fruit was a delight to the eyes. Oh, I really want that. So every day they confronted their yearning that which was missing. This ancient narrative plays out in every one of our lives. Not one of us had been created to have the whole garden. There is something missing in every garden and we can't ignore it because it's in the midst of our lives. It's right in the middle. I don't know what's missing in your garden. I've been very clear about mine for a long time. It's probably something different from the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's a particular type of relationship that you've always wanted to have. Or maybe it's a health concern. Or maybe it's a dream that you've been chasing for some time or this elusive thing called fulfillment. The text just makes it clear that it's something you desire. Something you really want but cannot have. <laughs> and this is God's idea of paradise. 
We didn't get to the fall yet. This is the way it was created to be, to live with a hole in our lives. This drives us crazy. There can be 999 trees that we can freely go to in our garden that have all been blessed for us. We can enjoy them with the blessings of God, but where do we pitch our tent? Under this one thing that we can't have. And in our anxiety, we say, forget about the rest of the garden. Let it go to weed. What am I going to do about this one thing that I don't have? This thing that is missing. And then in reaching beyond our created grasp, that's when we take what was not given, not blessed for us. And as the story goes, that's when we lose paradise. And on the way out, we realize it was actually a pretty good garden, even though something was missing. But now it is paradise lost. A woman flies in from out of town, rushes to the hospital, to be with her mother who's in a coma and is dying. The woman sits next to her mother, fix a tuft of her hair, and thinks about how many times her mother asked her to come for a visit. But she was always so busy. There was always her work, there were her kids, so far away. She promised sometime soon. She's waited too late. She would do anything, give anything, she just had another opportunity to sit with her mother and tell her, you've always been my hero. It's too late. So she curses herself and tries to pray. A man is walking his daughter down the aisle for her wedding. And to his surprise, as they walk down the aisle, he thinks about all of the arguments that they've had over the years. He can't even remember what they were about. He just remembers that he wanted her to be better. But he ended up pushing her away. He would he'd give anything to have a, a do-over. But he takes her hand out of his arm, gives it to the groom, and sits down and realizes the opportunity has passed by. As a pastor, I've discovered that the worst things in life are not the diseases, the accidents, or the victimizations. It's the things we do to ourselves. Sin isn't just the lies we tell or the people we hurt. It is at its heart telling God, a God who has already created our lives and the lives of those we love and called them good, it is telling God, not good enough. I just need to recreate in my own image of goodness. So the greatest lie we tell is that we're not creatures, we're creators. And the greatest hurt is that we destroy our own lives and those we love the most because we never knew how to receive a blessing. Because we were preoccupied with what is missing. 
The Swiss theologian Karl Barth wrote, all sin is rooted in a lack of gratitude. A lack of gratitude for the blessing that again cannot be earned. It can only be received. And you can only receive blessings in open hands. Is this not down through the years been the posture of faith, open hands? Rather than those who are clinging to what they just have to have, those who are clinging to their yearnings, those who are clinging to an intention to get that which is missing, does this look like the posture of faith to you? No. No, not fighting to get what you want, but opening your hands to receive what only God can give you. Things can only be placed into open hands. And yes, things can and will be taken out of open hands. But that's why it's we live by faith and why we wait for the new work that God will do in these open hands as well. And the unfolding drama of a life that only God could create for us. When I was a kid in Sunday school, the state-of-the-art technology in Christian education was a thing called the flannel graph. <laughs> the flannel graph was a large board that had flannel tightly wrapped around it and it was perched on an easel. And when the Sunday school teacher would tell her stories, uh, she would put up paper characters that had flannel on the back of them up on the board when their time came in the story. Some of you are shaking your heads. You were in Sunday school about the time I was. You know what I'm talking about. And there was always like a palm tree and a camel up there to start with. <laughs> I don't know what, how that fit into the stories. And we, we as kids would give the teacher the character when she asked for it, and then she would put it up on the flannel graph. And do you remember this action? You had to smooth them out to get them to stay up on the flannel board. I can still see Mrs. Williams' bony hand just back and forth like this. Now whenever the Apostle Paul was used in one of the stories, he took a lot of extra smoothing out to get him to stay in place because he had been kind of overused along the way in the stories. And one time Johnny Burke and I got into a little bit of a fight over who was going to hand the Apostle to her and we tore his little head off and so he had tape around his neck to keep that head up. And some of the kids, I think it was in vacation Bible school, spilled Kool-Aid all over him, so he was purple. But there he is, you continue to use him in the story, all purple and taped together. Without realizing it, I realized years later that Mrs. William was proclaiming a holy mystery to us which is God isn't easy on the people God uses. Not just the Apostle Paul. You think about most of the people who live rather heroic lives, by the end of those lives, they're all discolored and taped together. The Apostle Paul got chased out of half of the towns of the Roman Empire, usually with a shower of rocks behind him. But when he is in prison, and when he is writing his very last words like he does to the Philippians, what is that letter all about? His surpassing joy. 
He's overwhelmed with joy. In spite of the difficulties and, and the life not working out perhaps as he had wanted, his surpassing joy because he opened his heart and his hands to what God could give him, only the life that God could have created. Every one of these heroic figures in Scripture clearly yearned for something they did not have. None of them lived whole lives, but all of them discovered the secret of living within the freedom of their limitations, realizing that God could give them something that mattered, a life that mattered. So they died with thanksgiving and gratitude on their lips. I believe God placed the forbidden truth in the midst of our gardens to honor us with freedom. You have the freedom to make a choice about what you're going to do about that thing that's missing in your life. And the mark of maturity is learning how to be a good steward of that. So on this 4th of July, let us consider our stewardship of this freedom, our maturity of handling the whole that's within our lives and always will be. You don't have to go crazy with yearning. You can turn that tree that's missing into an altar where you bow and pray to God who alone is whole and complete. You can then turn back to the 999 trees with a grateful heart. You're free to enjoy these blessings now. It's your choice. God put that tree in the midst of your life to give you this choice. You are free to make this choice. You can define your life by what is missing, in which case your constant companion will be complaint. You can define your life by the blessings that you have received. You can watch as your Thanksgiving list grows longer and longer. It's up to you. You're free to choose. But only grateful people can live lives that matter. Only grateful people can give them things, give themselves to the work of Christ. Let us pray. Holy God, open our eyes to see the 999 blessings you've bestowed upon us. Open our hearts to live with gratitude. And open our hands that like those who've gone before us, we too may be of service to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more about attending a worship service in the Great Auditorium, 
additional programs offered by the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association and social media links, go to oceangrove.org.